Uh, I want to talk to you about Philippians. What a book. Philippians 1, 21 through 24. What makes up a 100% sold-out Christian like Carl and Charmaine? I do not have an example. But many of you also are 100% sold out. Many of you at Gospel are 100% sold out. Now, we, like any church, have people that are <clears throat> excuse me, 80% sold out or maybe 50% sold out. We have also some folks that are maybe 10% sold out. They're saved and they attend maybe Sunday morning service. They don't attend Sunday school, but Sunday morning only. And they don't really read their Bible. They may listen to a sermon once in a while. They may read a little bit of Bible once in a while, but nothing much, nothing, no memorization of Scripture. And they're just about 10%. And may, you know, and so I've often sat back and thought, what, what's the difference between your 10%, your 50%, your 60%, 80%, and your 100%? Now, you know 100% when you get around them. You get around 100%er and almost ask them to do anything for God, and they're on it. They, their schedule morphs to what needs to be done. They don't throw up a thousand excuses or a hundred excuses or 50 reasons why not to do it. They just want to do it. It's been said that you add, if you want something done, you ask a busy person to do it. Is that true? Don't ask somebody that's got a lot of time. I don't know why. It would seem like the people with a lot of time would jump on it, but they, they seem like they think they're busy. And the one that's got, you know, they're going in 25 directions, they jump on it. Yeah, I'll add that to My mother was an extremely busy woman, extremely industrious woman. And I could ask her in the middle of her busyness, and she was busy, ran a business for my dad, did all the books, all the taxes, all the paperwork. And uh, he went out and did all the estimating and installation, stuff like that, and ran, ran managed the men. But I watched them being self-employed their whole life. And my mom, she ran 16-hour days on top of raising the kids and the house and everything else. Maybe 18-hour days, just big. And she'd just get up and do it again the next morning. Get up and do it again the next morning. If we wanted something done, who'd we go to? Went to my mother, who was already overloaded. And she said, I'll take care of that. Because a busy person is organized. Because if you're that busy and not organized, you can't get the stuff done. So you've, you learn how to organize to get it done. So it's just one more, when you ask them to do something, it's just one more thing to organize. And they put it in the organization and make it happen. Amen. I've been meditating about what makes up 100% sold-out Christian. I, I've met a number of people that say they love Jesus. I don't doubt that they verbally say they love Jesus. Now, the Bible talks about those who, with their mouth, they, they speak much love, but with their hearts far from me. I think that's what you run into. But nobody loves, uh, we all have different amounts, I suppose, of love till it comes to where we get like Paul. Um, I believe it's, it's similar or could be linked to the parable of the sower that there's four different grounds on which the Word of God falls. And what I'm talking about tonight, what I'm going to talk, take a few minutes with, is a good ground. 
what comes out of the good ground are 10% sold out, 25%, 50%, 75%, 100% sold out people. Different degrees, but they're all born again. All the seed landed on good ground, they accepted God, and they all have fruit. And God says we'll have fruit, and it will remain. It's his work to save. And he keeps, and I just do the work. So I'm a sower. I go out, sow, 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 sow. And you know, as any sower, some of it lands on the wayside, some of it lands among the rocks, some of it gets choked out by false teachers, Joe Witness Mormons, and, and who knows what, and gets choked out and doesn't bear fruit. But some of it falls on good ground. And it springs up and has fruit. I believe he's speaking of the good ground here. Uh, when we talk about sold out, the differences there. Uh, why the differences in fruit? Well, that's a good question. All, we all have the same Bible available. We all have the same Holy Spirit available. We all have been forgiven really the same. I mean, you know, I realize who much is forgiven loves much. I understand that. And there is some variance in what people perceive that they're forgiven. But the truth is we're all forgiven a mass amount of sin. The homeschooled Christian kid that never got outside much has a massive, wicked uh, store of sin to be forgiven. Amen? It's true. There's none righteous, no, not one. We all fall short of the glory of God. All of us. The question is how much you realize it. Mary Magdalene, she real Mary of Magdala, I should say. She realized that she had a big old amount of sin to be forgiven, had seven demons. And so when she got saved, you're forgiven much, you love much. You know? The challenge is not for those who, who realize they've been forgiven much to love much. That's not a challenge. The challenge is for the homeschooler to love much. The challenge is for the Christian-educated kid to love much. The challenge is for the, for the kid that's raised in a born-again, fundamental, Bible-believing, and, and non-hypocritical home to love much. That's the challenge. Brother, shake yourself. And don't let life go by and not have fruit. You can be 100% sold out tonight. You can. You can. Paul was. I don't think anybody dispute that. Philippians 1.20.24, let me read it. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing shall I be ashamed, but that with all, how much? All boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body. Whether it be by life or by death. How do you stay on the field? Die. The devil can't touch a dead man. It's only people that are alive come off the field. They're alive to their feelings. They're alive to their future. They're alive to every. Paul was a dead man. He's a totally dead man. He had, you couldn't touch him. For, because he said the next, the next one, you know, you got to memorize. For me to live as Christ, to die is what? Most people wouldn't say that. 
He, you know what that's called? And say there was a group. Who was it? That, was it Zig Ziglar that came out with this? But maybe somebody else, one of those motivational speakers, uh, they came up with what they call the win-win, lose-lose, or win-lose. You can win-lose, lose-lose. Win, you know, I remember, am I, everybody remember, remember that? What this is is a win-win for me to live for <laughs> for me to live as Christ to die as gain. That's a win-win. In other words, if I live for Jesus, it's a winner. If I die for Jesus, it's a winner. You're not going to hurt me. I'm going to be 100% sold out. Here I am, Lord, use me. And you're not going to stop me. The devil, the Bible says, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil, he'll flee from you. You want the devil to leave you alone? Be 100% sold out. He'll come by your house once in a while. He's going to knock on your door to see if you're still there. But when he realizes you're sold out, he doesn't like to invest in a bad investment, and you're not a good investment for him. He's going to go to somebody who isn't 100% sold out, who is still claiming some of this life for themselves, and that he will begin to work on. It says in verse 22, But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor, yet what shall I choose? I want not. For I'm in a straight betwixt, I like that, betwixt two. Having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far, far better. I have that same desire. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. He had a strong desire not to be ashamed, to be a strong witness, to make Christ known in his life, to be with Christ. But he wanted to help those that were here. Either way, Whatever God decided, life or death, it was a win-win, and you couldn't stop him. Take your Bible, if you would, to Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 through 10. He, say, he goes on. He says, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss. I want you to circle the word loss. Circle it, color it, mark it, whatever you want to do. But what things were gained to me, I counted loss for Christ. Yet doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, past tense. And do count, I love this, I just, may Jesus help me to be this way. Man, do count them but dung. Wow, that I may win Christ. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law. We talked about that this morning. But that which is through faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. And of course, a verse memorized by so, so many Christians, rightfully so, that I may know him, experientially know him, and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable to his, unto his death. Paul wanted it. He wanted 100%. He did not want to let this world rob him. And let me mark my word here. He did not want to let this world rob him of eternity and the reward of faithfulness. And that helped him to be sold out, 100% sold out Christian. I have five things. That was the introduction. I have five things that make a sold out Christian Briefly, if I may go over them with you. First, a sold-out Christian has a very clear view of eternity. 
it's not some land by and by or way and way. You know, it's, 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 it's a reality. He thinks about it. He meditates about it. He dreams about it. He, he's, he's, uh, he, he reads the Bible and, 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 and slows down on those places that talk about it. A clear grasp of the reality of eternity to come. Not a shadow of doubt. Not a shadow of doubt. That after this life, there's an everlasting kingdom to be gained. An existence that is more real than the one we're in right now. More real. Why more real? Thank you for asking. Because it's permanent. This is not. You don't have to live too long. Brother Carl, have you seen anybody of your friends, close friends, relatives uh, die? Okay. First time one of my close relatives, and my grandpa, I think, was my grandfather died. I went to the casket and touched, you know, you, t you know, I mean, when nobody was looking, you know, kids. Strange. Strange. I remember talking to my grandpa, my grandpa Lou Hartman, his name was Lou Hartman, and I remember being with him and talking to him, and he's kind of grouchy old boy, 66 years old, grouch. But I loved him. He was extremely talented in making stuff. He could make anything. And then the next time I saw him, he's in this box. And the first time in my life, I realized that this life is not permanent. It's a temporary thing. The people that are in this room, 50 years from now, very few of you will be alive. Now, the rapture may come. I may be wrong on that. Maybe five seconds. We're gone. Boom. By the way, if the rapture happens and you're still here, I'd recommend you get saved. Go to John 3.16, grab one of the Bibles, get saved, ask Jesus to save you. But you got a wild ride ahead of you. An existence that is more real. Why? It's eternal. It's, it's eternally permanent. It's, it's unrestricted by sin. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I get so tired of the battle. So weary. about. I get tired of losing my temper. I get tired of thinking things I shouldn't think. I get tired of having some old chicky do go by and me want to look at her. I'm 67 years old. What would I even want to look at her for? But I do. There was a flesh in me is alive and well. And you 80-year-olds, don't pretend like you're dead. <laughs> you ain't dead. You ain't dead. That part of you never died. The old nature dies when, you, when, you, when your spirit finally gets to go to God, and that old thing gets to stay here. I get weary. Don't you get weary? Mm. The old reality of sin will be gone. Eternity is an opportunity that this life could never afford us. The whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Amen. There's pain in this world. And the absence of it, the absence of pain is what's coming. It's going to be good. 
Uh, also, I mean, you, you know, I'm going to list this because Jesus lists it, rewards. I don't think there's a, there's a thing wrong with working because God says there's going to be a great reward coming down. He tells us, John 14, I, I, go, I go to prepare a place for you. Let your, not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If we're not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again, receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Why would he say that? He wanted to motivate us, encourage us. Amen? Secondly, a 100% sold-out Christian has a clear grasp of the temporal state of this existence and the cheapness for what sin offers. You know, the devil is trying to sell you a bunch of plastic junk, and God wants to give you gold. But the devil, he just gives you the thrill. But he don't have anything else. He's got nothing else. God says, I'm going to give you something real valuable. It's got deep value. Paul here counted all things but lost, treated him like dung. Now you don't, you don't say that if you don't have a good grip on this thing. On eternity, you have a clear grasp of eternity. It's permanence. You have a clear grasp on the reward of it, the temporal state of this world. He understood what might be worldly gain was a lie. Nothing has value if you can't keep it. He understood that, that this was a passing dream, a vague memory, a warm feeling, soon to be dim. Where are you getting at, Brother Bill? Well, Job chapter 20, verse 5 through 9 says that the triumphing of the wicked is short. The joy of the hypocrites, but for a moment. Though his excellency mount up to the heavens and his head reach unto the clouds, yet he shall perish forever like his own dung. Oh, that's graphic. They which have seen him shall say, where is Steve Jobs? Where is, for you old people, where is Hugh Hefner? He shall fly away as a dream and shall not be found. Yea, he shall be chased away as a vision of the night. The eye also which saw him shall see him no more, neither shall his place any more behold him. I like to go to museums. I really do. I, like, I went up to this uh, guy that had the Barnum and Bailey Circus up there. Was that John Barnum? Is that his house of Bailey? What's his name? Ringling. Is that his house? John Ringling. Okay, John Ringling. Ringling, Barnum, and Bailey. I got it. Do you know he made a million dollars clear a month in 1920? 1920 dollars. So I go to his house, and, and you, you, he had little small feet, little small feet. And I see shoes there. How do I know they're small? I put my foot in. I mean, he had these little, his shoes are there. Yeah, his, his bedroom. I'm walking in his bedroom. I'm walking in his most private places. I'm walking in his bathroom. I'm walking in Ellie's home, going through the John Ringling home up there. I advise everybody to do it. And I thought to myself, where is he? 
The guy that had all that money, the guy that went over to Europe and literally bought the mansions in Europe, said, I want everything in this mansion disassembled, shipped over here, and put in my house. They did. That's probably preserved a lot of it. But where is he? There's just his shoes. And I can say this, nobody's ever going to see John Ringling again. Never. Never. Not going to be seen again. And his place will never behold him again. So you understand, number one, a clear view of eternity. Number two, a grasp of the temporalness of this whole thing. Thirdly, a clear focus of the value of being in Christ. I can't even understand this, but I'm going to try to preach it. What it means to be found in him. I don't even know if I understand it. I don't, I don't, I want to understand it, but to be found in him. To live is Christ, to be with Christ, to have Christ magnified in my body, to know him whom to know is life everlasting, to know the fellowship of his suffering, to have the power of the resurrection in my life, to be made conformable unto his death. Everything's about Jesus. Nothing else matters. Jesus is the lover of my soul. He's my Savior, my Lord, my Redeemer, my God, my all in all. He's everything. A person that's 100% sold out, that's the way they feel about Jesus. He's not their, their buddy. I mean, he is your friend, by the way. I mean, Jesus said, no longer call me your friend. I understand what that means, but I'm talking casually taking Jesus. Man. Fourthly, to understand, we need to understand that any suffering that we do here for Christ isn't even worthy to be compared with the glory that should be. Now, that's how Paul kept going. He made it through the unimaginable troubles of being rotted and being scourged and being shipwrecked and being in danger of thieves and being in danger of being cold and naked and um, poor, without a place even to lay his head many times. Made it through, the, made it through. But he didn't just make it through. Paul made it through well. He made it through well. Fifthly, I see this is the most important I saved for last. How do you know, or what is it, what is it that makes up a 100% sold-out Christian? They believe the Bible. What's on the back here? Blessed are they that hear the Word of God and do what? Belief is not an intellectual assent. Belief is action. Belief and faith are more verb than they are noun. Pro trouble with liberals is they take that as a noun. I got faith, I got belief, but it doesn't change them. It doesn't go into action. But biblical belief produces activity. James said, we're not saved by faith only, but by works. What, he's not saying that you really merit salvation by anything but faith. He was agreeing with Paul. He understood that. But what he was saying, if you've got the Bible faith and you've trusted Christ, then it's going to have to convert itself to energy which will produce works. Yeah. 100% sold out Christian honestly, sincerely, 
really believes the Bible is the Word of God, and they seek to obey it. They learn it. Oh, my. I may rub the cat the wrong way, but it's okay. If you say you love God, and you say that you believe the Bible is the very words of God, and don't read it, you are a liar. You are kidding yourself. You can listen to it too. Now, some people can't read. And you can listen to it. I'm just talking for understanding. Either listen or read it. Now, I, I want you to be honest with yourself. You've got the time. You've got the time. You've got the intelligence. It's about a fifth, sixth grade. Nehemiah, I think, is ninth grade. Uh, maybe ninth grade reading level, but most of us fifth and sixth grade. You can do it. And you have everything to do it. But you don't believe it. In a biblical sense, you don't believe it. Let me, let me, I'm trying to be as honest and square with you tonight as I know how to be because this is life-changing right now. What makes a 100% sold-out Christian the fifth and the biggest reason of all is they really believe the Word of God is from God. From God. If God wrote me something, I want to hear what it is, don't you? I want to know what it is, man. I want to, I want to eat it, sleep it, devour it, put it by my bed. I want to have it all over. I want to, I want to be all over. Do we have any amens on that? Got some old me's. But I mean, isn't that the truth? You say, well, Bill, you have to read the Bible through every year to be right with God. No, but you got to read it or listen. You don't have to do my defined pattern. But brother, like it or not, sister, like it or not, you better be in it and you better be learning it because if you believe it, then you will do it. And you'll read it and follow, and then you'll be eventually that what that thing will do to you is it'll make you like Paul. It'll make you consider the things of this world like dung. To the degree that you believe that the Bible's the word of God is the degree that you're sold out or not sold out. It goes like this: 10% to 100% is the degree that you believe. If it's a hundred, if you believe it, if you believe it, you'll learn it, you'll study it, you'll live it, you'll teach it, you'll be obsessed with it, consumed with it, occupied with it. This is, I believe, the secret between the hundredfold, sixtyfold, and thirtyfold. The varying degrees of belief. Your belief is your driver. Your belief is your driver. It makes your decisions for you. Your belief motivates your actions. It energizes your endurance. So I ask you the question. And I'm finishing. How much do you believe the Bible? Ultimately, your life will testify how much you believe. 
Now, if you're somehow or another upset with me because I'm pushing you, you will love me 100 years from now. You'll love me 100 years from now. I said, oh, preacher. Man, oh, preacher, he loved us. He wouldn't let us be lazy. He wouldn't let us get lazy. He wouldn't let us get laid back on our laurels. He made, he kept, he just hobby horse and pushed the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. Oh, it was all about the Bible. When you're at the Bema seat and Jesus takes the Bible and it goes like this, you can be going, oh. I'm begging you. I'm begging you. I beseech you means I beg you. In Jesus' name, don't miss this great opportunity. Don't miss it. Don't waste it. Put your hand in the plow. And don't look back. Because nothing you look back on is worth looking back to. <clears throat> and if I may say the words of Jesus, remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. Father, help us tonight. To be able if you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.